0: To new Life Church, where we're excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Man, yesterday was a great day, except if you were an LSU fan. We we did not have a good showing yesterday. Coach, Coach O talked about new staff and new coaching changes, and it looked a lot like last year. So y'all be praying for your pastor that the spirit of heaviness comes up off of me Sorrow may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. It comes in the morning. <laughs> I'm just joking. But no, but they did look pretty bad, though. But uh, <laughs> but man, I'm glad to be here with you guys this morning. We are in week six, week six of our Blueprints, Blueprint series, Building on Wisdom. And man, I can't believe it's been six weeks already. But uh, it's been a really good series Last week, we talked about building on words. Are you building or burning with your words? So I hope you guys were able to practice your words this week and uh, that you gave a lot of building words this weekend that that really blessed you. But this week, if you're taking notes, you're watching online, if you have the app, you can go there. All the the notes are there as well. But today's message, we're going to focus on live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. I think that's Star Trek or Star Wars, one of them. I can't remember. Track? Track, Star Trek. Star Trek. I don't see you know how much I know about Star Trek. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. You know that when God created humanity, He designed us, He created us to live forever. That was His original intent, was for us to live long. And not just live long, but live forever. God designed us. To live forever. But we know that sin entered the world. The world became wicked. Humanity became wicked. And God says, you know what? I have to put an expiration date on humanity. No longer on earth will you guys be able to live forever because sin entered the land. And God's original intent for us to live forever or to live long, it began to change. And when it began to change, he had, he, but nothing ever takes God by surprise. He always knew what was going to happen. But when he came in, he said, you know what, I, want my, I desire for you to live long and to prosper. He desires for each and every one of us. If once you were born on this earth, God desires each and every one of us to live long and prosper. It doesn't matter where you grew up, doesn't matter what family, doesn't matter what neighborhood, doesn't matter what city, state, or continent. God desires for each and every human being that was born to live long And prosper. And in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 15, it says, Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. So, what does that mean? Live long and prosper. It's right there in the scripture. She offers long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. And I love stats. Stats are fascinating to me. So I looked up the average lifespan of an American. Can y'all guess the average lifespan of an American? That was close. It's 77 years old. It actually dropped a year and a half last year in 2020. So before 2020, it was 78, but the lifespan dropped down a year to 77 years. So if you reach past 77, you're a blessed person. You made it. (laughs) You beat the odds. (laughs) You're living long and prospering. They 142. Come on. But it's so many things that we could do in life to to say, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to live long and prosper. Did you know in the word that says that if you honor your mother and father, that you will add years to your life? That's what the word says in Proverbs. It says, you honor your mother and father, it will add years to your life. The word also says that in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27, that if you fear God, it would add days to your life. That's what the word says. So if you honor your mother and father, it will add years to your life. If you fear the Lord, it will add years to your life. But it's another thing that will add years to your life as well. And that's common sense or wisdom. Wisdom will add years to your life. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? This is what I mean. If you eat Thanksgiving dinner every single day, if you're eating heart's chicken and baked macaroni and cheese and candy yams and and I don't know, just think of anything like those types of foods you could think, and you eat that every single day, Wisdom would say when you get to a certain age, you're not going to live long. Not living long, eating like that. But what is that? That's wisdom. Wisdom would say, hey, maybe I should change my diet if I want to live long. That's another way to live long is use wisdom. Is we use wisdom. And this this is what I want you to take note of this. You can write this down. You can put it in your memory bank if you want to. You can even put it on Facebook. Never try to compensate with faith what you lack in wisdom. Never try to compensate with faith what you lack in wisdom. Just like I just mentioned. You can't just eat all that stuff every single day and say, you know what, I'm going to pray that God gives me good health. No, you can't compensate in faith what you lack in wisdom. You can't eat like that and say, well, God is just going to heal my body. Yes, God can heal your body. But wisdom would say you'd have a better chance if you ate right (laughs) <laughs> then you're looking for God for a miracle. You know, sometimes we believe in God for a miracle, but all we have to do is use wisdom and we'll get what we're believing for. Yeah. If we would just apply wisdom, just wisdom. Wisdom says, hey, what is the things that I can do? What can I control? My decisions. And don't worry, I'm not going to talk about health the whole time. That's not what this message is about. So you could you breathe a little bit. I'm not going to talk about this the whole time. But the number one cause of death in America is heart disease. It's not accidents. It's not gun violence. It's not what—it's heart disease, meaning that we don't use wisdom with how we exercise and how we when what we put in our bodies. But when you become uh, conscious and aware and use wisdom with how you use your body and care for your body, then you will add years to your life. You will live a longer life. You know, some people take better cares of their cars than they do their bodies. Boy, they'll wax that car and wash it every single day. A little speck of dirt. I can't believe I got this dirt on my car. Let me go out there and wipe those rims down. And they, just, boy, they, they, you never see their car dirty. It's immaculate. And they take more care, better care of their, of their cars than they do their bodies. But we can't be like that. We have to use wisdom when it comes to our health and to our, our everyday life. Amen? Another way that we expect faith to overcompensate for our lack of wisdom is in our finances. We spend more than we make, but then expect God to perform a miracle in our finances. Then we start rebuking the devourer, but you are the devourer. You're the one that's devouring your finances. You're the one out there in the shopping malls and online shopping all the time, and I don't know where my money went. I just got paid. How am I broke already? Because you're the devourer. You're devouring your finances. <laughs> but you know what? Wisdom says, maybe I should have a budget. You know, budget is not a bad word. Boy, you say budget to some people, oh, I can't have no budget. That's for poor people. No, I am guarantee you the people with the most money have a budget because they know exactly how much they have and how much they're willing to spend. It's a budget. It's a plan. But when you begin to put wisdom in your finances and you take an uh, evaluation of what you have, you'll realize that, hey, if I want to prosper, maybe I need to take inventory of what God has given me. I want to prosper. So if I want to prosper and live long in my health and in my finances, maybe there's some practical things that wisdom would teach us that, hey, maybe if I do these things what wisdom says, I can live long and I can prosper. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for another opportunity to come in your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you're giving us Uh, just gems from heaven, wisdom from heaven, to have a long life, Lord God, and to prosper in every area. We honor you. We worship you today in Jesus' name. amen. 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 So today I'm going to boil down living long and prospering into two areas. I'm going to boil it down into two areas. The first area we're going to, and this is the first area we're going to focus on is the live long. So we're going to talk about the live long, and then at the end of the message, we'll talk about the prospering. But the first part, the first half is on live long. The first thing you need to know to live long or how to live long is this. You need to know, write this down, number one, the principle of rest. The principle of rest. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. So the creation of heavens, of the heavens and earth, and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the first, it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation. So in the beginning, we see right there that God created the Sabbath before the fall of man. Because sometimes we can think that the Sabbath is just a law that God gave for man after the fall. No, God created the Sabbath, established the Sabbath, and he declared it holy from the very beginning. So that is a principle that God instituted from the beginning of time. He says, I worked for six days on the seventh. I'm going to rest. You know, resting is good for your soul. It's good for your soul. So God created the Sabbath, and he made it holy. Sometimes we don't interpret the Bible as wisdom. We interpret the Bible as law. We say, well, that's just being legalistic. In the Old Testament, that's a bunch of law law. It's like we're under the New Testament now. We don't, we don't listen to the Old Testament per se because there's some things in there that don't really apply to the, today's times. But the thing is, the Old Testament isn't all about the law. It's about the wisdom that God was trying to use when he was instructing his people. And there is wisdom when we apply God's principles and God's law to our daily lives because it's all for our benefit. The word of God is for your benefit. It's not to beat you over the head. It's not to condemn you. The word of God is all for your benefit. And I would think that if God says that it's good to rest, that we should apply that principle of rest too. Amen? God is serious about rest. You know that heaven is all about rest. When you get to heaven, you know what you're going to do? Yes, you're going to worship, but you're also going to rest. What does it say? It says, come enter into your what? Enter into your rest. Come rest. Come rest. Heaven is all about rest. God desires that we enter into rest with him. The whole concept of the Sabbath is that we spend time with God. So when we rest, it's God saying, I want you to reflect. I want you to rest in me. I want you to rest in me. You know, the Holy Spirit is all about rest. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, there's a peace that comes inside of you. And you know what that peace is? It's rest. It's a rest that comes over you. Boy, I can remember the day I got got saved is the day I got filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, I was tired. I was weary, I was all those things, I was discouraged, depressed, but when I got filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, boy, there was a peace and rest that came over me that I said, what in the world is this? How in the world have I been living my life without this rest that I feel right now? And I could only do nothing but weep. I just began to weep because I could not believe that the peace that came over me from the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit desires for each and every one of us to receive that peace that brings rest. He desires for all of us to rest. When God comes into your life, he gives us rest. In our world today, we're, we're on the go, 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 go. I got my schedule. I got, I got this mapped out. I got to grind, grind, grind. I got to work, work, work. I got to do all these things. And we're so full of stress and anxiety that you, the only reason you can make it through the day is because you drink 10 cups of coffee. You know, I got to go to Starbucks and get my triple shot mocha, and uh, you have all these all these drinks and you own all these things. I got to drink 10 Cokes a day to, to give me some energy. And, and we all hyped up on caffeine just to get through the day because we're so busy. But we never take time to rest. You know, God says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. What kind of yoke are you carrying? Is your yoke heavy? Because you've overwhelmed your schedule? Because you have no rest? You know, I just don't have enough time in the day. Well, it sounds like you need some rest. You know, overworking yourself is not a great way to live long. Overworking yourself and never resting is never a good way to live a long life. Because we're talking about long life right now. How do you live a long life? You rest. The principle of rest. You have to learn to take your time and just take some time out and rest. The funny thing about, man, there's a lot of things about the Bible that are funny. And some things that just scratch your head because there are certain situations you're like, I would love to be in that situation when it happened. One of those is when the uh, disciples and Jesus was on the boat, and they were going through the sea, and they were in the midst of a storm. And I can imagine them disciples freaking out. The boat is being tossed all about, the wind and the waves are crashing, and guess what? Jesus is over in the back of the boat sleep. I'm talking about knocked out, sleep drew coming out the side of his mouth, and they're fearing for their lives, and Jesus is over there taking a nap. And they're like, I'm pretty sure they're like, so y'all, who gonna wake them up? Because surely we're about to die and he's over here asleep. But I'm, Peter's like, man, you know what? I'm scared too. I don't know if we, we should touch him because the last time he said, we don't have enough faith so I don't, I don't, really, know what, I don't really know what to do. And so they wake him up and, and, <laughs> and he rebukes the waves and they stop. But what is that? Only God can give you a peace to sleep through a storm. Only God can give you a rest that can sleep in the midst of a storm. That's what I take out of that. That can only come from God. Only God will give you the ability to rest in the midst of the storm. You feel like my whole life is a storm. Well, only God could give you the rest that you need to get through the storm. He's the only source that could give you that rest. Nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else will give you the rest like God wants to give you. He wants you to rest. All he wants you to do is say, come to me, and I will give you rest. Come to me, give me your heavy burdens, and I will give you what? Rest. How do you live long? You rest. You rest. You know, Paul was beaten. He was about to get beaten in prison. But you know what he was doing? He was singing praises to God, resting. Paul, Now, Paul, Peter was about to get beheaded, and he slept the whole night through. What is that? That's a rest. Now, I don't know if you, somebody has you in jail, and you're like, you know, the next morning, we're going to behead you. You'll be up all night praying, Lord Jesus, I need you to come through. I need you to send some angels. I need you to move on my, you'll be up all night praying and tarrying. Peter was in there asleep because he knew that I know my God is with me. I know that I'm going to rest, even the odds are against me. It doesn't look like it's going to work out in my favor, but guess what? I have the rest of God. Think about the things that you walked through in life that you've walked through and you've overcome. It was only by the rest and the peace of well, hopefully it was by the rest of God that got you through those situations. Because you could walk through some stuff and not have the rest of God and still be stressed out. It's like, ooh, I barely made it. But it sure is a lot easier when you have the rest of God on your life. The rest. Now, sometimes the problem with some of us is not the rest. It's laziness. You enjoy resting. Ooh, I love rest. Yes, pastor, speak on that. <laughs> speak on that rest because I'm going... No, we need to break out. I'm not talking about being lazy. I'm not talking about idleness. I'm talking about there's a rest from your work. (laughs) You work hard, but you rest. (laughs) Not laziness. We're We're not talking about laziness. But, you know, greed, pressure, and stress to work more always causes you to feel like you can't rest. When you feel the stress of bills, when you feel the stress of responsibility, When you feel the greed for more, you always say, I can't rest. I have to work harder. That is not a recipe to live a long life. You need rest. That's the first principle. The first principle to live a long life is the principle of rest. The second principle, I talked about it a little bit, is the principle of the Sabbath. The principle of the Sabbath. God is serious about the Sabbath. This isn't an Old Testament law that we don't obey. It's the wisdom of God in obeying the Sabbath. The Sabbath is so important to God that he put it forth in the Ten Commandments. Now, sometimes you can run off all the Ten Commandments, but you'll forget that one of them is obeying the Sabbath. I want to read in Exodus chapter 20 this morning. Hope you guys online watching, you guys are following along. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day for rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and earth, the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he set it apart as holy. Not only is God serious about the Sabbath, but God uses the Sabbath as a witness. God uses the Sabbath as a witness. When it comes to the business world, in the business world, you can't can't afford to take a day off. Because a day that you're not open is a day you're not making money. I would like to present to you Chick-fil-A. I would like to present to you Chick-fil-A. It doesn't matter... What city or what state that you visit, I have never not seen a line wrapped around a Chick-fil-A building. Never. And they're closed on what day? So they work for six and they observe the what? The Sabbath. And I don't think Chick-fil-A is hurting for any money. But I never see lines wrapped around Arby's. I've never seen lines wrapped around Arby's all day, every day. But Chick-fil-A, think about this. They have, excluding holidays, because that's, that's extra days off, but just 52 Sundays or 52 days, they work less than any other restaurant. But still, they're at the top of the industry when it comes to fast food restaurants. They make more working 52 days less than some do working 52 more days. But just think about that. There's a principle, there's a blessing that comes when you observe the Sabbath. There's a principle and a blessing. And business people can't, how does Chick-fil-A do it? It's the blessing of the Lord. It's the, it's the blessing of the Lord. It defies logic. But logic doesn't compare to wisdom. Logic doesn't compare when it comes to the hand of God and the principles and the laws of God. And Chick-fil-A has figured something out. That, hey, I'm going to observe the Sabbath. You know, tomorrow and I, we observe the Sabbath on the Friday. Because uh, Sunday is, is a, considered a work day for us. So on Fridays is our Sabbath day where we don't do any work. We just focus on each other. We'll maybe if sometimes we just drink coffee at, ho- at home or we'll go out to lunch. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. But we just observe the Sabbath on the Friday where Friday we don't do any work. And we take it serious. You know, I, I heard a story about Robert Morris. Y'all, y'all know Robert Morris, the pastor in uh, Dallas, Texas? One of the best pastors one of the most blessed pastors there is, he said this, he observes his Sabbath. His Sabbath is on a Monday, I believe. And he knows, his worker, his staff members know, do not call him, do not text him, do not email him on a Monday because he believes to his core that the Sabbath is a principle and a law that I will not break. I, that is a commandment from God that he takes serious and I was not he will not break. And there was a situation where it was this uh, conference or something that they wanted him to speak. To uh, they wanted to, his employees was like, I know, I know you don't want us to bother you on on your on your Sabbath day, but we just want to ask you, hey, you've receiving this great opportunity, this great invitation to speak at this conference. We, are 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 you interested? And he was nervous telling them this. And Robert Morris' reply was, Well, do you want me to go out and commit murder too? His whole point was, I'm not breaking my Sabbath. Now, he was just joking, but his whole point was, I'm, I'm not breaking my Sabbath. I'm not, you, so, you, so if I break this commandment, you want me to go break all the other ones too? That's what I might as well do. But the Sabbath was that serious to him that he was like, no, I'm not, I'm not breaking the Sabbath. You know what? I'm just going to turn off my phone to not be bothered. For some of you, that may be a good thing to do. You say, on my Sabbath day, I'm just going to turn off the phone. I'm not going to be bothered. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm just going to focus in on the Lord. But the Sabbath, God, the Sabbath is a witness. It's a witness. Another thing about the Sabbath, unobserved Sabbaths accumulate. Unobserved Sabbaths accumulate. We're talking about how to live long. The children of Israel didn't think God was serious about the Sabbath. He told them, I want you to to take a day off of the week and on the first year of the seventh year to take a break. I want you to take a break from work in the land. Don't grow anything. I want the land to rest. And they didn't obey it. They didn't leave the ground alone. They start panicking, what we're going to eat, how we're going to eat if we don't work for a year, all these things. So for 490 years, they disobeyed God. 490 years, they disobeyed God and didn't observe the Sabbath. And as a punishment, God told them the ground will lay dormant for 70 years and not produce anything because you have ignored the Sabbath. That was their punishment. For 70 years, the the land lay dormant. So unaccumulated Sabbaths, they eventually catch up to you. If you don't honor and obey the Sabbath, you're going to pay for it later in your life. You're working so much, you're wearing yourself thin, that when you get to the end of your life or the latter, latter ends of your life, your health will deteriorate and your body will break down because you've been working so much because you never observed the Sabbath. It's a terrible thing to see. You got your retirement, but you can't enjoy the quality of life that you can because you didn't rest and you didn't observe the Sabbath. A break from your rest. It's good to rest. You know, some people, they brag about, I haven't taken a vacation in 15 years. I just saw something. It was, a, a, I think it was a, a something a news reporter or NFL reporter, something like that, he was bragging about, no, it was a coach. He said, I In 30 years of coaching, I've only missed five days of practice. I've been there on the field every day, which that could seem admirable. At the same time, it's like, but how is your family? How is your family doing with you missing so much time away from home? Obey the Sabbath. God is looking for us to obey the Sabbath. Unaccumulated Sabbaths, they add up. Another thing about the Sabbath, the Sabbath is for your benefit. It's for your benefit. God gave the Sabbath because he wanted you to benefit and enjoy it. You know, Jesus might seem like a rule breaker. If you think about Jesus, some things that he did, he seemed like he was a rule breaker. So when Jesus came on the scene, the Pharisees are very strict, and they obeyed the letter of the law to the T. They obeyed the law. And so when Jesus came on the scene, Jesus would go out, and he would give his disciples grain. And he would go out, and he would heal people on the Sabbath. And boy, them Pharisees would get so mad at Jesus. How dare he come work on the Sabbath? How are you supposed to observe the Sabbath? Don't you know the law? And, they were, and, and, and everywhere, go, everywhere Jesus would go, he would work on the Sabbath and do different things. And the Pharisees couldn't stand it until the point where Jesus responded back to them in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. This is what Jesus told them. He said, then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. What does that mean? That means that the Sabbath is for your benefit, that God uses it there and says, I'm giving you the Sabbath to meet your requirements. So if I say work six days, then take one day off. One day of a week is great. How many of you would love you who went to work tomorrow and your boss would say, you know what? Just go ahead and go home. Take the day off. Boy, you run out the door so fast. What is it? Oh, I got the day off. You would enjoy that, right? Because the Sabbath is for your benefit. And God is pretty much what God is saying. Hey, I'm giving you this day off. I want you to observe it. Observe the Sabbath. Practically practically speaking, what does this mean? I want you to take a Sabbath day. Have a Sabbath day. Because there are four areas that you need rest. You can write these down. There's four areas that you need rest. The first that you need rest in is your mind. Your mind needs rest. Your mind was not meant to go 130 miles an hour every second. Your mind needs rest. Your spirit needs rest. Your spirit, man, needs rest. There's so much bad news and negative words and information going on in the world. Your spirit needs rest. Your spirit needs cleansing. Your physical body needs rest. You can't just go, 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 go. Eventually, your body's going to break down. Your physical body needs rest. And the last thing is, emotionally, you need rest. Your emotions need rest as well. We need to take care of our bodies because we want to live long. Also, these are a few things that you can do. If you're married, to get rest or observe the Sabbath, go on a date night. Schedule a date night. And this, and the rest of these can apply if you're married or not. It doesn't matter. But have a monthly getaway. What does that mean? Maybe just go away overnight just for one night. If you can afford to do that, just get away for one, just one night a month I'm just going to go away and do something. It doesn't have to be anything expensive. Usually when we say things like this, people go, oh, I don't have the money to do that. You'll be surprised how cheap you can do things nowadays. Go camping. That don't cost a lot. Oh, I don't want to go camping. That's mosquitoes out there. <laughs> do something. Just get away. Get away. You should have a quarterly retreat. Have a quarterly retreat. What is this? Just as have a, every three months, just have a weekend getaway. Just get away for the weekend about every three months, just to rest, just to enjoy your Sabbath, just to get away and have a yearly vacation. Yearly, go somewhere on vacation just to get away and have these routines because if you build a healthy lifestyle of these things, you look up in your quality of life, your health of life, you've realized that your, health, your body is more healthy and you have more energy than you realize because you've observed the Sabbath and you observe the principle of rest, amen? So don't take pride in not taking vacations. If your job offers you 10 days of vacation, take all 10 days of vacation. Don't say, oh, I have nine days left and they roll over. Well, don't let them roll over. Take all of them. They give them there for a reason. Use all your PTO. Don't don't save any of it unless you have something big that you're saving up for. That's different. But if you can, take all of it. Amen? Amen. But all these things that I'm talking about, you have to plan and be intentional. They're never going to happen if you don't plan and you're intentional with these things. You have to plan and you be intentional. You know, tomorrow and I, after church today, we're going on a Sabbath. No, we really are. For a week, we're going away for a week to celebrate our wedding anniversary. We didn't get a chance to do it in, um, in August, so we're going this week. So after church, I'm about finishing about two minutes. So I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking, No. But, uh, but no, but we're getting away. We're going to get away for a little bit and just to enjoy each other's company and just get away because everybody needs to rest. Amen? Amen? So that's the, observe the principle of rest, observe the principle of the Sabbath. That's the live long part. This is the, the prosper part. This is how you prosper. The key to prospering can be summed up in one word, Generosity. Generosity. You want to prosper in your finances, in your health, and everywhere, generosity. It's generosity. God, the way that God looks at prospering is being, how generous are you? How generous is your heart? How generous are you? That's how God measures prospering. You know how the world measures prospering? You got to work hard. The more hours you work, the more you grind, that's how you prosper. You got to work. God says, No. The more generous you are, the more you'll prosper. Totally different mindset. Totally different point of view. I think I'll take God's way. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't work hard. Please don't get what pastors say. I don't have to work hard. That's not what I'm saying. Work hard. Please work hard. Have a good work ethic. But what I'm saying is God's way is saying be generous. Be generous with everything that you do. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the best part of everything you produce, then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. We say, I don't have vats and I don't overflow with good wine. That means your finances. Put it there. That means your health. Fill in the blank. Whatever you need, it will overflow with good things if you give the Lord the best parts of everything that you produce. When you are generous, it shows that you're detached from material things. When you're generous, it shows that you're detached from material things. The more grip that you have on material things, the more stubborn and the more greedy your heart will become. You will never want to part with anything because those material values, you hold on. I can't give away my clothes. Why? Mm -mm, mm -mm, Those are my clothes. Those are my shoes. Those are my purses. No, those those are my fishing rods. I can't, oh no, those are my golf clubs. And you begin to hold on to those things and your heart becomes stingy and it becomes greedy. But the more that you detach from material things, it's just, I'm just going to give it all away. I'm just going, what is it? That's a generous heart. Tomorrow and the other day, we were watching uh, uh, this show, and Martha Stewart, they showed Martha Stewart's home. Martha Stewart, she had a farm in New York. It was, a, I believe, 156 acres, and she had seven homes on her, acre, on her farm. Not one, seven homes. Seven homes. Now, obviously, she has the money that she can afford all that, and if she's got the money to do it, hey, do what you want. But the point is, do you really need seven homes? And I'm not saying that she's not a generous person. I'm not trying to pick on her. But my point is, you can get so wrapped up in material things that you always figure out, how can I spend my money on myself? How can I always spend my money on bigger and better? Because there's a, if she's got a 156-acre property, I need to find a 250-acre uh, uh, farm somewhere to beat her. But that's how the, the world competes, and that's how the world thinks. They don't think generous, like how can I give to others? It's what can I build for myself? How can I build my empire? Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your hearts will be also. So if your treasure is material possessions, that's where your heart will be. If, you're, if, you're, you're, if, if it's accumulating things, that's your treasure. That's where your heart will be as well. But generosity, it also does this. it it shows that we can be a channel. When we're generous, it shows that we can be a channel. God is looking for someone he can trust to be generous and that he can give uh, you things so you can give it away. There's a lady in our church that when I was going through this message, I immediately thought about her. She is a channel that God uses to bless so many people around her. Everything that she gets, she uses away. How can I use this to bless other people? And you know what? God continues to bless her. Why? Because she's a channel that's open and says, God, I know my life is not my own. I'm using my life as a channel to bless others. And when you begin to become generous, God is looking to and fro. He's like, who, is, who can I use as a channel? Because I know if I give it to you, I know they're going to bless other people. So I'm going to give more to you because you're going to be a channel that I can use. But the more you close yourself out and you hoard what God has given you, then God says, I can't use you as a channel because you're just going to keep it for yourself. But I'm blessing you so you can be a blessing to others. That's generosity. That's the heart of generosity saying, whatever I have, I want to use it to bless others. Well, I don't have a lot. It doesn't matter. Whatever you have, whatever you have, you say, I'm going to use this, what God has given me, to be a blessing to others. Because God is looking at your heart, not necessarily what you're giving. He's looking at your heart behind what you give. And if you give the best of what you have, then God says, that's a generous person. That's a channel I can use. God is looking for a channel. Also, when we're generous, it shows that we're children of God. It shows we're children of God. When we're generous, it shows we belong to God. God is a generous God. I want to ask you a serious question. When's the last time you received a bill from God for sunshine? When did you go to the mailbox and God said, hey, this is the bill for the sunshine for the month? When did God say, hey, I want to give you a bill for the clouds in the sky and the rain that falls down that waters your grass? God is a generous God. And I know that's funny, but he also gave his son. He also gave the most precious thing that he had in his possession. He said, I'm going to give my son to you because I'm a generous God. He's a generous God. And when we're generous, it shows that we belong to our Father God in heaven. God is serious about the principle of generosity and the principle of the first. God wants to be first in your life, He wants to be first in everything. So, in order to, be, to prosper and to be generous, God is saying, I want the first, I want the best of everything that you have, meaning that I want the best of your mind, I want to be first in your thoughts. I want to be first in your heart. I want to be first in your time. I want to be first in your relationships. I want to be first in everything you do. I want to be first because God is all about the principle of the first. And when he goes back and when he looks at I want to be first in your finances. I want to be first in everything that you do. So in every area of life, pretty much God is saying, I want to be first. And when we don't, what we're doing is that anything in our lives that God is not first is idolatry, meaning that we're putting that thing before God which is a sin. We know that. But God is saying, I want to be first. I want to be first. And God established this principle of the first in Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. I'm coming to a close. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not re- he did not accept Cain. And his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. Cain bought any old gift to God. Well, God said I want an offering, he just bought him any old thing. But Abel said, I'm gonna give God my best. I'm gonna give him my first fruits, the best of my produce. I'm gonna give him the best of what I've had. And Abel was pleasing and acceptable to God. But notice when Cain just gave God any old thing and God didn't accept it, he became angry. And we know that he eventually killed his brother. But what it does is when we don't give God our best, we expect God to give us our best. And when he doesn't, we get angry. But when you give God your best and you're generous and you give God the first fruit, God says, I'm pleased with your offering and I'm going to give you even more. Build your life on the Sabbath, on rest, and on generosity. That's what wisdom says. You want to build your life? Build it on the rest, on the principle of the rest. Build it on the principle of the Sabbath. And build it on generosity. At the beginning of Genesis, God told, told um, Adam and Eve, you can eat them all these hundreds of thousands of trees. All these, you can eat all of them except for this one. Except for this one. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Why couldn't they do it? Because man hates to be told you can't, you can't have what you want. But somebody tells you you can't have what you want, you'll find way you can to get what you want. Because that's our sin nature. But God is saying, no, I want your heart. I want you to obey me. I want you to, to, to be first in my life. And what God was trying to do was he was just trying to establish his authority and his lordship in their lives. Because if you can obey this principle by not eating this one, then it shows that you respect my authority and that I'm truly lord over your life because you're obeying my commands. And God is saying the same thing. I want to be first in your life. I want to be first in everything you do. Build your life around the Sabbath. Build your life around those things. And I promise you, you will live long and you will prosper. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Live long and prosper. You know, when I was thinking about doing the Blueprint series Uh, last month or two months ago before it started, you know, nothing ever takes God by surprise. And I find it, it's just like God, that today in our readings, it talked about being generous. It talked about being generous in the daily readings today. Today, what we talk about, the key to prosperity is what? Being generous. And we know what happened this past week in Louisiana. Hurricane Ida happened. And in South Louisiana, and some of the smaller uh, areas, and there was a lot of devastation that happened to churches in, um, in Louisiana. And I believe that God wants to new, use New Life Church. And if you're watching on, online, this is for you as well. For those in the building, I want y'all to look up me, look at me real quick. There was a lot of devastation that happened to the churches in Louisiana. And Dana, you can show some of the pictures. These are just some of the pictures of the devastation to some of the churches that have happened in Louisiana through uh, Hurricane Ida this week. And I believe that God wants to use us to be generous in what we give in our first fruits to be a blessing to those in need. And like I said, I I didn't set this up. I didn't say, hey, this is a, how was I supposed to know Hurricane Ida was gonna happen this week? There's no way, but this is just like God to say, I want to put to practice what you preach. And tomorrow now, we have prepared an offering, a special offering that we want to give to donate to the churches in Hurricane Ida that have been affected by that. Our home church back in Baton Rouge, uh, Bethany Church, they are on the ground running. They've been mobilizing teams. They've been feeding churches, been feeding people in New Orleans, Homa, and the surrounding areas. And they are, have been uh, taking up funds and distributing funds to all those churches that have been devastated in the area so today what i want to do even for everyone in the building you received a green envelope what i'm asking you to do is open up your heart and be generous today we want to be a blessing to those that right now they need a blessing and this is this is separate from the tithe give your tithe your tithing the offering that's different this is not your tithing offering this is above the tithe, meaning that this is an addition too so yes give your tithing offering but out of the generosity of your heart, say, hey, I'm going to give a little bit extra because I want to be a blessing to those. That's what the green envelopes is for. That's why you receive the green envelopes today. So 100% everything that you give in those green envelopes today in the building is going straight to benefit those churches in Louisiana. And if you're watching online and if you go to New Life or you don't, you can also be a part of this and be a blessing as well. If you go to our website and you click on the link to give, there's a tab there that says Hurricane Relief. Everything that you give and that will go 100% to the churches in South Louisiana that have been affected. Or you could download the app, you could go to our app and click on the Hurricane Relief tab as well. 100% of the proceeds that you give are going straight to the, uh, the uh, churches that were affected in Louisiana. I want to read this verse in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. It says, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you that's what the word says if you help the poor you're lending to the lord and he will repay you this is good ground you're sowing into this is good seed you're sowing into and i believe that the the offering that we take up for this church for those churches that have been affected that we won't see the full ramifications to that until we get to heaven cuz i can't wait to see when these churches get rebuilt and the lives that's going to be changed and the, the lives that's going to be saved and the, when we get to heaven, they say, you gave that time to help rebuild our church. As a result of that church being rebuilt, I was invited and I gave my heart to the Lord. That's going to reward. You're going to receive here on earth and in heaven as well. And I just want to just take some time and I just want to pray. And we're going to pray for the offering that we give and then we're going to give. Amen. Lord, I just thank you right now that you're the Lord of the harvest. That nothing takes you by surprise, not hurricanes, not disasters, not anything. And I thank you, Lord God, for the churches that have been affected in Louisiana and in the surrounding areas, Lord God, by Ida. Lord, I thank you right now that the gates of hell will not prevail. I thank you right now that you are the one that's building your church. And I thank you, Lord God, that we would open up our hearts today to be generous givers with everything that you've given us, Lord God, that we would give the best of our heart, Lord God, and that you would use this seed, this offering that New Life Church is given today, Lord God, and those that are partnering with us, that Lord God, that you would bless those churches. I thank you, Lord God, that the best years of those churches are still ahead. I thank you, Lord God, that those churches will be real rebuilt. And I thank you that you would use them in their areas, Lord God, to see thousands upon thousands of people saved because the work that you've gone to do in the future will be greater than, in, right now than it is in the past. I thank you that you bless the churches and the pastors, Lord God. I pray where they're tired and weary of rebuilding, Lord God, that you give pastors strength that feel like they want to quit and give up because their churches have been destroyed. But I just pray a a special blessing over them, Lord God, that you would give them strength, that you would give them a new joy, Lord God, a new perspective of ministry, Lord God, that they would have a different passion and a different fire for you to serve you and to trust you, Lord God. For there's nothing that's too great for you, and I thank you that you bless this offering that we're gonna to receive today, Lord God, that it'll be a blessing to others. And that we thank you, Lord God, that you use us as a channel. And as we're generous to give, that you would bless us, for, Lord God, for, and be a channel that you can t- continue to use to be a blessing to others. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. We thank you, Lord. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, if you're watching online, you wanna partner with us, you could go to our website, uh, at newlifemobile.org. You can give on there, on the tab, Give to Hurricane Relief. You can go to the app as well. But we love you guys. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you this Wednesday for prayer. we we'll see you guys next week. Amen. Amen. You guys can stand to your feet. And as you're preparing to give, again, give your tithes and offering as normal. The green envelopes are specifically 100% for the Hurricane Relief effort. But you can come down and give at this time. For everything that was given today, we thank you for the words that went forth today, that we use wisdom in our health and in our lives, Lord God, that we would honor the principle of rest and Sabbath, and that we would be generous and prosper all the days of our life. Bless each and every person here, Lord God. Bless them as they go. Protect them and keep them safe. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Also, we want to invite you guys out to prayer this Wednesday. We're going to have a time of soaking. The prayer is going to be great, but we'll see you guys Wednesday. Y'all have a great week.